Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, friends and family? Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast. You got Clark and Bobby Jean and our golden retriever, Winnie, in the house right now. Excited to dive into... a lot of shout outs. Yeah, she's a good girl. I always (laughs) tell people Winnie is the kindest one in our family. This poor dog has <laughs> endured five little kids mm-hmm. riding her, pulling her ears, mm-hmm. yanking her tail, and she just rolls over she and joyfully takes it. Accepts. And she's really kind. Yeah. She's really kind. But I'm excited to talk about First Timothy 2, and there's some really practical and relevant issues brought up in this chapter. Yeah. Um, you know, we just had election day on Tuesday, mm-hmm. yesterday, and uh, here it's talking about like how we're supposed to think about and interact with like political leaders. Yeah. It's like right away, verse one mm-hmm. says, I urge them, first of all, all requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Mm-hmm. He transitions into verse two and he says, for kings and all of those in authority. So as we're thinking about what's happening in our country right now, how should we treat and think about our political leaders? Mm-hmm. Both those um, whose policies you really appreciate and those whose policies you think are wrong, mm-hmm. I'm encouraging you to pray for them. Mm-hmm. It's not only going to bless them, it's going to bless you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good for your heart as we intercede and say, God, would you bless um, people of both sides here? Pray for them. Um, because it seems like it's going to bless us and also bless bless other people. That's what verses 3 and 4 start to unpack. Yeah, I think that's just a good, like, are you doing that? Do that. The Bible asks you to do that. The Bible tells you to do it, so do it. Um, so that's good. And then the, as it continues, I kind of appreciate what it says, because it says in, I think this is the ESV, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, so pray for these guys, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So, so you know, let's pray for these folks so that we can lead the kind of lives that um, honor the Lord here. And so I I just really appreciate the second part of that verse. Um, I feel like growing up in the Midwest and just kind of seeing um, what my parents did and kind of other folks just in the church that I grew up in and in my family, it's it's a lot of that. It's a lot of gardening. It's a lot of quiet, uh, alone, just um, peaceful just small business kind of things happening there just behind the scenes and what I like about it is because now this kind of struck me is because now there's kind of this desire with the internet and social media and just the connection that we have there to like go viral and like be seen and be a big deal and be and and really one of the comments about like praying for kings and people in high positions is like hey pray for these people because they're vulnerable One of the comments here, I'll just read it to you. Um, You know, these are sinful, flawed human beings, just like you and I, and they're vulnerable to corruption. And and, um, so we got to pray for them. And also, you know, in your quiet life, uh, be grateful for that, for your quiet life and where you are. Um, And just kind of, I don't know, even, you know, maybe you're not posting all these selfies, even, even that though the the word selfie and just the American culture and how like we want to take pictures and we want to put ourselves out there and we want to be known and who's liking it and who's commenting and you know and that can be a really good thing yeah. but I think the heart behind it though is just kind of um 
needs to be in check. And so that was a question that came up for me is like, what is behind the need to be noticed? Because right here, you know, we're kind of told like pray for these people and, and lead a quiet life. And, you know, we're going to read about that later in the chapter too. It's like, how can we be trained um, for godliness? And what does that look like? And so anyway, just just a, a couple little mm-hmm. questions there and, and for, encouragement. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think as w- when it comes and pertains to politics, it's going to continue to be more and more polarized and polarizing. And I think prayer has to be a vital part sure. of yeah. our own health and our own following of Jesus. Oh, 100%. Um, how, how much time do I spend in the word and praying as compared to uh, listening to political pundits and people commentating sure. on kind of what's happening here? And so you got to keep your eyes on the prize and remember who Christ is and what he's done and what um, Timothy uh, or Paul transitions to when he's talking to Timothy in the next verses five through seven, it says, remember who God is and what Jesus Christ has done for you. Verses five, six, and seven says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men. And that man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed as a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And as a teacher of true faith to the Gentiles, I want people to lift up holy hands in prayer. And so when you think about, especially Hebrews, as we just read that a few weeks ago, talking about Jesus as our mediator, you and I do not just like get access to God because like we are so holy and so good. The only reason why we have access to God is because Jesus Christ is right now sitting at the right hand of the Father, mediating for mm-hmm. us, being the bridge that connects us to this holy, pure God. And so I remember Jesus' words in John 14, verse 6. It says, no one can come to the Father except through me. And so that comes down to Jesus' death, his resurrection, repenting and believing. And so there are some folks out there who might say, you know, like the the old um, ideology of all roads lead to Rome Mm -hmm. back in the day. Sure. As they were building literally roads and infrastructure, Mm. like all paths lead lead to God. All spiritualities lead to eternity. But when you read the Bible and what Jesus claims about himself, he actually makes exclusive claims saying no one can get to the Father. No one can get to eternity. No one can get to heaven or salvation unless they have a relationship with with me. Right. And so if anybody essentially says, well, you know, I believe in Allah or I'm a good person. I did my good deed or Buddhism, Hinduism, you name it. It's essentially saying, Jesus, that was really nice of you you know, for dying on the cross, but that was enough. I'm going to use this other means over here mm-hmm. to try to attain this higher level of living both now and forever. Mm. And so Jesus is making an exclusive claim. He's saying it's only through me. Yeah. He's the mediator. And, uh, and he had a transition there to the next couple of verses. And he starts talking about how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in community. And I really appreciate verse eight. It talks about how we're to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing, because what's happening in Ephesus is there are people who are causing disruptions and problems. Mm-hmm. So at other points in Paul's writing to Timothy, he encourages him, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Like worship in order, have a plan, mm-hmm. give God glory, have men and women stay in their lane, and it's going to be good for everybody. And so he tells us, holy hands, use your hands to do godly things and good things, um, and, and keep Jesus at the center of it. And pray more. Pray more. There you go. (laughs) 
the chapter continues, you guys, and, and like Clark said, there's just kind of more instruction as to how you live together in community. And uh, we're, well, I'll just read it. Verse 9, 10, maybe we'll get to 11 here. Likewise, also, women should adorn themselves in respectful, respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair, or gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with and with who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly uh, with all submiss- submissiveness. Um, yeah, so I feel like this is just kind of a little background here. This is just a good thing for Paul to be noting because if you think about the people in Ephesus and what was going on, I think we've talked about this before. Like some of these folks that are um, new Christians are coming from places where it would have been like really uh, encouraged and um, for their benefit to dress incredibly promiscuous mm-hmm. or like so we've talked about before sex cults just their oh, practices e- even Ephesus, at that time Ephesus was running rampant with sex cults prostitution um all kinds of inappropriate acts in in places of worship as they're worshiping other like lower case everybody G but gods Yahweh and goddesses yeah. basically demonic <laughs> right people here you know and so as these people specifically within this context, some women were acting inappropriate. And so Paul is telling Timothy, get everybody in line because worship's becoming a huge distraction right now. Well, and specifically with what people are wearing, I think this is just a normal, like, hey, when you have people that don't know, then you have to tell them because mm-hmm. you don't know unless you know. And so it, yeah. that's what he's saying in verse nine, tell yeah, women to exactly. dress modestly with decency and propriety. It basically means just dress appropriately. And we'll be okay, right? Because now, now you're now we're worshiping Yahweh. We're going to be a set apart people now. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of that Old Testament language too. And so now, you know, we don't do um, what our old selves do. Now that we're in Christ, we walk, we walk this way, and yeah. this is what we do. And so, just really practical for sure. Really, and so, yeah, not a head scratcher. Yeah, when you look at verses eleven and twelve, though, the, there are some startling statements in here. It says a woman should learn in quietness and in full submission. He says, I don't permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be mm-hmm. saved through childbearing. They continue in faith. So what are we supposed to do with this? Well, again, I'm saying look at the context of what's happening here. We don't know specifically what is occurring in Ephesus, mm-hmm. but Paul is telling them and writing to a specific situation saying, hey, Get these specific ladies in line. Now, should women, (laughs) should they need to be quiet, you know, at all points in time in worship? Absolutely not. Sure. Yeah. You know, Paul, yeah, he talks about this in other letters, too, that he writes to churches. Mm -hmm. Um, Keep keep going. Yeah. First Corinthians 11, 5, it talks about how there are women who are speaking and praying in church. Right. What Paul is again saying here within this context is, hey, people worship graciously. Don't be a distraction. Now, what he is talking about here, though, is that there is a struggle for authority. Mm -hmm. Going back to the curse in Genesis 3, talking about how childbirth is going to be painful and man's going to have to till the the, the ground and he's going to have to be sweating by his brow to make a living now. It talks about how the woman is going to be fighting for really control of the man. And at this point on within marriage, there Mm -hmm. is going to be a power struggle. And that's birthed in sin. Mm-hmm. It's not the only area of life or relationship where authority is now going to be questioned. 
Uh, if you think about the last you know half century for us as Americans, um, there's been a number of different levels and arenas of life to which authority has been questioned. I would say citizens don't have the same respect for government's authority. Uh, students don't have the same respect for teachers' authority. Women don't mm-hmm. have the same respect for men's authority. Children don't have the same respect for parental authority. Employees mm-hmm. don't have the same respect for an employer's authority. People don't have the same respect for the uh, police's authority. Christians no la- longer have the same respect for the church's authority. I feel like these are really obvious mm-hmm. things in every arena of life. If you compare it 30, 40 years ago to where we're at today, like the challenge on authority has occurred, and the Bible has talked about this, saying, hey, this is going to happen, and it's going to happen specifically in this context between a man's relationship with a woman, between a husband and a wife. And so I believe the Bible calls us to have different roles. If you think about the Trinity, like God himself, Mm -hmm. our one God is three co-equal persons, but the Father has a different role than the Son, and the Son has a different role than the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. and yet they're working together in this beautiful unity co-equals there's no subordination the son's not less than the father Mm -hmm. the spirit's Mm -hmm. not less than the father and the son but they're called to do different things Mm -hmm. and so when you think about you know man and woman husband and wife we're called to different roles and paul is calling that out here in the church when adam um was given the mandate to create or not to create but to steward all of creation Mm -hmm. he was the one who was to name the animals god looked down and saw it's not good that Adam's alone. And so he pulled, um, in many of our English translations, it says rib. But the picture w- of God wants to give you is he's pulled something from Adam's side. Mm-hmm. And it's from his side, a co-equal has been created to reign and rule as his helper. Again, the word helper is azir, and it's not a term to be derogatory or less than. It's the same word that's used for God in the Psalms. When Yahweh comes and helps Israel. So here you have this picture of a husband and a wife. The family unit, which is to procreate, fill the earth, subdue it, and take care of everything God's created as equals, but with different roles. So culture has rejected the idea of difference in role between male and female. And now it rejects any kind of difference between male and female. And now we're calling people persons and all other kinds of things, birthing persons, persons with periods or whatever. Like it's just what you see um, Mm -hmm. health Mm -hmm. people talking about. And it's like, time out. When you go back to scripture, what what happens here, look at verses 13 and 14 again. When when Paul is talking to Timothy and saying, hey, here's why we have to stay Mm -hmm. in our lane and use the beautiful gifts God's given us. He goes back to the creation account. He goes, for Adam was formed first. Mm -hmm then Eve. Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Now, at first sight, you're like, oh, time out. Eve's getting thrown under the bus. But when you read this within the context of all of 1 Timothy and this within the context of the Bible, you see Eve is not the one who is blamed for the falling of humanity. It's actually Adam. Mm -hmm. God comes down on Adam because Adam had a different role Mm. than Eve did. So here's another way you can think about it. Both Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, but Eve clearly sinned first, yet the Bible never blames Eve again for the fall of all of the human race. It blames Adam. Through one man's sin entered the world. And again, then it turns to saying through one man's salvation is going to come, the Mm -hmm. second Adam, which is Jesus. 
So Adam's responsible because of the difference of authority. Adam had authority, Eve did not have, and therefore it was his responsibility, not Eve's. Adam failed in his responsibility in a far more significant way than Eve did. That's why God says, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, so salvation is going to come through the second, Jesus. Mm. As well as Eve was deceived, Adam was not deceived, Eve was tricked, but Adam sinned knowing exactly what he was doing when he rebelled. This Mm. means Adam's sin was worse. Eve's ability to be more readily deceived made her more dangerous in that place of authority. And it says in one commentary, Eve's reasoning faculty was at once overcome by the allegation of jealousy felt by God, an allegation plausible to a nature swayed by emotion rather than by reflection. Another way you could say is it might be observed that women seemed to be more spiritually sensitive than men, but that cannot be true for good or evil. And what St. Paul then continues to emphasize here, emphasizing sex rather than the individual, is because the desires give the incident in this general application, especially in view of what follows. And this is, again, not dependent on culture. It's not dependent on time. It's not dependent on place. God is saying, I have given Adam Mm -hmm. responsibility. I have given Eve responsibility. And the greater sin falls back on Adam. So when it comes to worship, I want you to... Walk in your roles, walk in your responsibilities. You're not better or worse than each other. And step in and lead and give the focus and the attention to God. And when it comes Mm -hmm. to that last verse I read, like women's to be saved through childbearing, what is that supposed to mean? Mm. Well, the Greek (laughs) translation is kind of clunky, I would say. Mm. But it says women saved in the childbirth is what that means. Mm. So if we're thinking about this within the context of the Bible, we are indeed saved by a woman giving sure, who gives birth, birth yeah. to a child, that being Jesus. Mm. And so when I think about this within the context of the Bible, you're like, yeah, I guess um, we are saved through um, childbirth because Jesus came fully God and fully man. Yeah, from the and womb of a fr- virgin. The, yeah, because yeah. again, I mentioned this maybe in a sermon or a talk podcast last week the bible talks about jesus being the son of god because he was conceived by the holy spirit it also talks about him being the son of man as he fulfills the prophecy of daniel but also as that he comes from um 50 percent human Human. he comes from the virgin mary and so with that he is fully god and yet fully man and we're saved and so that last couple words there it says if we continue (laughs) in faith and love and holiness and propriety which is, again, talking about appropriateness, then we're going to continue to to grow in our worship of God. And as you transition to chapter 3, which you'll read tomorrow, it breaks it down even more, talking about elders and deacons and overseers and how the church is supposed to be structured. Wow. Yeah, sorry, I'm going to take a breath right now. Mine. That was loaded, you guys. Be, be, on, be real yeah. right now. What? Is that helpful? Is that, do you have any questions? Does I muddle that? What? What are you thinking right now? Yeah, um, I feel like that is helpful. And so even right now, you guys, hey, I'm a woman. Some of you guys might be listening to this and you're men. And so what we're saying, I I just really appreciate as we broke it down saying like this is not like a 
an uh worth or value kind of issue this is like this is about order because we know that god he doesn't you know deal in in chaos god's a god of order and so he's saying hey how can how can the church reflect that that's what paul's um kind of charging timothy with and so there's an issue with ephesus and we need to bring some order we need um submission and that word just gets so tarnished in our culture today and so that word just it does not mean inferior and i know right now we're focusing on first timothy but you guys paul applies this concept of submission all over some of his letters to um, the early churches and so i'm just going to reference some of them right now he applies this concept to wives husbands um, in Ephesians, Colossians, Titus, 1 Corinthians. He applies mm. it to children in Ephesians, um, to slaves, prophets, to Christians in Romans, Titus, and 1 Corinthians again, to the church in Ephesians, and then even to Christ himself in 1 Corinthians 15 um, about how he must submit. And I, here's the thing. It's not a bad thing. It's it's actually a wonderful thing. And I we, we have talked about this so many times on the podcast we can't give it due diligence, just what that word means, but even in relationship to husband, wife, and now um, church, we really can't. Like people, you know, we've talked about this so many times. Other people talk about this so many times, but yeah, I thought it was really helpful what you said. And so um, thank you for listening, you guys. And I, uh, I'm i just grateful too for um, kind of the charge at the end too, just to continue in faith, love, holiness, mm-hmm. and with self-control. Um, continue stuck out to me there. And then like Clark said, obviously there's more that Paul's going to give Timothy for just basic practical things. Hey, this is how you, you know, run a church. This is what, um, how, how we do it. This is what it looks like. So it's good stuff. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for listening today. Uh, we hope and pray that you enjoy your Wednesday and we will be back with you on Friday. So God bless you. Have a great week. Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.